Welcome to the Mike Smith Show podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest happenings in BC. From breaking news and developing stories to giving the big headlines a closer look, the Mike Smith Show is here to keep you dialed in and up to date. Let's begin. All right, here we go now with the most stolen cars and trucks in Canada. The brand new list is just out. Is your vehicle on this list? Stick around here to find out. A lot of these thieves have gone high-tech. Well, of course, we got high-tech vehicles now. There is a computer in every new vehicle now. These guys know how to hack the computers in a car or truck. They know how to make copies of keys. They know how to break into cars using an iPad and infrared technology. They know it all. It's like a technological arms race with these auto thieves, and they seem to be winning a lot of the time. I got Sid King standing by to discuss. First, have a listen to this report here now. This is from Global News. Dealing with stolen cars, nothing new for police. But this is another level. I was surprised because I know that these cars can be stolen in this manner, but it shocked me to see how quickly, simply, this happened. Forget about prying open the car door or stealing keys. This carjacking operation works off a couple of iPads in a backpack and a cable antenna known as a signal booster. Watch how quickly it happens. The cable is hung by the front door. It detects the key fob inside the house, records the code. Then that code is used to start the vehicle. And within 18 seconds, the car is gone. The cars are being exported outside of Canada. A lot of times these vehicles will be smuggled out of the country and sold on the black market. All right, let's discuss it now with my guest, Sid Kingma. Sid is the Director of Investigations for the Western and Pacific Region at Equité Association. Sid, thank you for coming on today. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, too. So before we get into the list here of the most stolen cars and trucks, this is always a really interesting list, Sid. Let's talk about the high-tech nature of this auto theft that's going on now. Like you just heard in that global news report, guy can come up with with an iPad and some other high-tech gizmos here and steal a car. Is is that what's happening a lot right now? Yeah, that, unfortunately, that that is the truth. That's that is what's happening. We're seeing uh, the signal that your that emanates from your key fob to let your to start your vehicle and the push button start. That vehicle that uh, frequency is sort of stolen and then utilized to open and start your vehicle. Um, yeah, and there's other ways that they don't even need the key uh, in that manner. They can just uh, break into the vehicle, go through the OBD2 port, and uh, get the vehicle to start. <laughs> they just like plug into the computer port start the vehicle yeah per, yeah, oh. yeah that's pretty much it it's it's um you know it's sad to say that it is happening but it certainly is happening and that's that's what we're seeing with these uh newer vehicles being stolen how bad is it right now it seems it seems to be getting worse oh. is it it is getting worse mike it's like we're in a crisis situation here where um the like we're over a billion dollars in loss uh for theft claims across canada in 2022 um, and uh, that's the first time that we've reached that number, which is really significant. And, you know, not only is that that number big, but it's organized crime that's involved in this. And, and they're using those funds because it's so lucrative to fund, you know, their their guns and drugs operations as well. So it's really, you know, it's it's a public safety issue is what it is. 
Yeah, okay. Sid, let's talk about the most stolen vehicles here in 2022. So this is the list that has come out. Let's start with, uh, okay, number one. What is the number one vehicle on the list here? Well, the number one, again, this year is the same as last year, and it's the Honda CRV. Uh, so um, uh, there's out of the, out of the, <laughs> there's about 500,000 of those vehicles insured on our roads in Canada, and uh, there was 5,600 uh, or so stolen uh, this year or in 2022. Okay, Honda CR, CRV, yeah, super nice vehicle. Why why is that number one? So that's number one another, again this year. Why is that the number one stolen vehicle, would you say? Is, is it just a numbers game? There's just more of them around to steal? Uh, there is a numbers game on that. There is quite a few. If you look, if you see the list, it, it is high, it, but it's not the highest on the list as far as a number of insured vehicles on the road. But it's, it's popular. It's a reliable vehicle. And it's just demand, right? Like there's the demand in the black market for that vehicle. So that's why uh, it's on the shopping list of the bad actors. Are, are we talking about the hybrid version of that or does it matter? Does it matter if it's an EV, hybrid, gas-powered vehicle? Yeah. It's, it's generally the gas and the hybrid. We're not seeing really a lot of EV vehicles stolen. Mm. Why, why yeah, is that, and that's, do you think? Well, I think there's, I think there's a number of reasons for that. Um, number one is, you know, these vehicles are being exported. So in order to um, uh, have a vehicle like that overseas, uh, th that country needs the infrastructure to support an EV, right? And that infrastructure in those countries isn't quite at the level that we're at or some of the, uh, like, the North American or European countries. Uh, mm. So that's probably one of the big reasons that's that's happening. And then as well, a lot of people that own EVs, you know, plug them in and they're at their residence at night and they're inside a garage, which is a, a really good level of protection from oh. theft. Right, okay, that's a, that's a really good point. Okay, let's keep going down the list here. Most stolen vehicles. What's number two? Number two is the, the Dodge Ram 1500 series. So your half ton pickup truck. Uh, again, a lot of them on the road and, and a high demand for uh, pickup trucks in in Africa and the Middle East. Um, oh. so that, and that's where we're seeing a lot of those vehicles head to. Really? So this is where a lot of these vehicles, that get they get sent to Africa? Yeah. Yeah. The Western African countries, we sit there. I mean, at a, there was a... There was a news story, media story out of Ghana where there was lots of um, Canadian vehicles there and uh, they they still have their, their Canadian license plates on them and uh, they're just, uh, there's parking lots full of them. Oh man. Okay, number three on the list, I'm looking at it here, uh, the Ford F-150 truck, okay, so I guess that competes against the, the Dodge Ram and that's yeah. number three on the list. Is that still... I think I saw a recent analysis that said the Ford F-150 truck is the mo number one vehicle in the whole country for sales. Is that right? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if that's right or not. Okay. Um, but it is like if you look at the number of vehicles insured on the road on that top 10 list, it's number two on the list as far as numbers go there. Okay, yeah, Ford F-150, a lot of those being stolen. Number four. The Lexus RX series. I was wondering if a Lexus was going to crack the top five here. Let me play a clip here for you, Sid. This is a viral TikTok video from auto analyst Sonder and Fanaretta, who has been a frequent guest here on the show. And here he is talking about the high-tech theft of a Lexus vehicle. Have a listen to this. We have these two criminals, these crooks, there are actually three crooks in total, pull up in this Honda SUV. They've identified this, looks like a Lexus RX. 
that they're going to go ahead and steal. And you can see they're already working on the front of the vehicle. And you're probably thinking, what are they doing? Well, they're ripping off the front bumper because what they're trying to do is get access to the headlight because the headlight has a connector which connects to the ECU or the computer of the vehicle. And you can see they basically stole this Lexus in under a minute, 30 seconds. Okay, Lexus RX there, he's talking about number four most stolen vehicle in Canada on the list this year. And Sid, you heard him talking there about prying off sort of part of a bumper or a headlight to get access to a, like a computer port. What's going on there? Yeah, yeah, and he's, he's exactly right. That's exactly what's happening there. Um, we call that the CAN bus attack because the, the line inside the vehicle that connects all the modules to the ECM or the brain of the computer, that's called the CAN bus. So that's what they're attacking. And they're sending a message to the brain of the, of the vehicle to say, um, unlock and start. And of course, it follows that message. So they're able to get in and drive away. And then when they're distance away, they just reprogram a new key. So they're able to uh, start and stop it whenever they want. So do you have any tips for people out there who are wondering how they can prevent this from happening to them? Maybe their vehicle, I'll read out the rest of the top 10 here in a second, but you know, a lot of people listening may have vehicles that have on this list being targeted by thieves. How can people keep their vehicles safe? Yeah, well, so we always go with a layered approach. So the more, more layers you can sort of put on top of your vehicle to keep it uh, from being stolen, the better that'll be. So, you know, there's, there's simple steps, like just make sure that your court car doors are locked at all times. Um, and there's telltale signs on newer vehicles, if they're locked or not. Uh, most vehicles, the mirrors, your side mirrors will fold in when they're locked. So thieves recognize that. So make sure your doors are locked. Obviously, never leave your keys in the ignition or even inside the vehicle. Um, right. you park your vehicle in a, in a garage. If, if you have that option, that's, that's a really big one. Yeah. If you don't try and park in a well-lit area. Um, and then, you know, there are, um, aftermarket options out there for security and, and some of them are old tech, like, uh, like the steering wheel locks. They're actually still, um, you know, they're still a good deterrent because they're that visual deterrent when, when, the, when the bad actor comes up to look at your vehicle, they see that steering wheel lock on it. And if they don't have the tools with them to, to deal with that, then they'll just move along. Yeah. Um, there's also, yeah. So the club, and, and remember you know, the club, people yeah, still use totally. the club. The club is been around good. a long time. I mean, that yeah. is old school. The club is old school, but I still think that would be just as effective as anything, right? Like, you know, if a guy. Yeah, absolutely case in your vehicle looks in and sees the club on the steering wheel you just move on to the next one yeah for sure yeah. um there's also um the i talked a little bit about that obd2 port um you can buy blockers or locks for that as well so that even if they do get inside your vehicle they're not able to access that port and uh reprogram a new key yeah uh, so those are also out there um there's also faraday bags um which you can put your key fobs in when you're at home and what that does is that just blocks that signal with from the key fob to communicate to the vehicle and uh, so when that's blocked then that first clip that you had on where they're using an antenna to sort of extend the range of that signal they're not able to do that there's also some key fobs on the market like from the factory that there's a, a sequence where you can just when you're when you put your vehicles on the on your hook at home or, or on the on your desk you can just um, disable that uh, signal and then mm. it's just simple to, to put it back on again when you need it. So there's those things. You can also equip your vehicle with aftermarket GPS tracking devices. Now that doesn't prevent the theft, but it'll maybe, um, if it does get stolen, it'll, you'll maybe get it back a little quicker. We'll be able to find it. 
You can you can track it to Africa. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we would. Hopefully it gets found before it gets there. But uh, yeah. yeah, we have seen yeah. that in the past. Sid, thank you for coming on to talk about this today. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, Mike. Thanks for having me again. Okay. Here's a story that got a lot of reaction from our listeners earlier this week. So we wanted to follow up on this one. It is the viral video that was posted by 21-year-old Brielle Acero. Now, this is a video that has been viewed millions of times online. 21 years old. She is a recent college graduate. She lives in New Jersey. And she started her first nine to five jobs. This is the first full time job that she had had since getting out of college. And she found it to be a shock to her system. Now, I'm going to play the video here and have a listen to what she says here. Now, this video has received, I think it's fair to say, divided reaction because i've heard from people who are very critical of her and then i've heard from many others who say that what you're going to hear here is just an honest and direct discussion about how she feels going into this first job and finding it an absolute grind. I've got Annie Petschy standing by to discuss. Annie is a career and fulfillment coach, and I'm really looking forward to speaking to her. Let's listen to the video here, okay? So this is the viral video that has been viewed millions of times and divided the internet. Brielle Acero, 21 years old. Let's listen. This is my first job, like my first nine to five job after college, and I'm in person, and I'm commuting in the city, and it takes me forever to get there. There's no way I'm going to be able to afford living in the city right now, so that's off the table. Like, if I was able to walk to work, and it w- it'd be fine, but I'm not, so it literally takes me, like, I leave here, like, I get on the train at 7.30, and I don't get home till like, 6.15 earliest, and then, like, I don't have time to do anything. I don't, I want to shower eat my dinner and go to sleep i don't have time or energy to cook my dinner either like i don't have energy to work out like that's out the window like i'm so upset oh my god nothing to do with my job at all but just like the nine to five schedule in general is crazy being in the office nine to five like if it was remote you get off at five and you're home and everything's fine but like i'm not home it takes me long to get home and like like, people that drive to the office, like, it doesn't, you don't get off at five, and I know it could be worse, I know I could be working longer, but, like, I literally get off, it's pitch black, like, I don't have energy, how do you have friends, like, how do you have time to, like, meet, like, a guy, I don't know, like, how do you have time for, like, dating, like, I don't have time for anything, and I'm, like, so stressed out. Okay, Brielle Lucero there. 21 years old this is the video that has gone viral on on the internet and let's discuss it now with my guest annie petchy annie is a career and fulfillment coach petchy dot annie petchy dot com is her email and she's annie's also super popular on social media and i, I advise you to give her a follow there annie thank you for coming on today Hi, thanks for having me. 
You're welcome. Thank you for doing this. And uh, I'm really interested in your thoughts and reaction to this. So let me ask you first, Annie, I know you've watched this video and you did your own video discussing it that got a lot of attention too. What went through your mind when you watched this video the first time? Oh, my initial reaction was Team Brielle, which equates to Team People. And my, you know, my reaction was that she's having an honest, valid reaction to an outdated corporate framework. The corporate nine to five has become the tail that wags the dog where we work first. Then if you have time, you get to have a life. Right. So, okay. So you immediately sympathized with her, Annette. And I know other people had an opposite reaction, right? Because I have seen people who have said, I have no sympathy for this person. This is just some pampered Gen, Gen Zer who doesn't understand the real world. Time to grow up. Welcome to adulthood. I, I know you've seen that reaction too, right? What do you think of that sort of take on it? Oh, yeah. I received similar split reactions. And honestly, it felt to me like the five monkeys experiment where people tear each other down for exposing issues and challenging the status quo. And it felt a lot like, hey, I've been dealing with this for decades of my own life. So now you have to, too. I'm going to project my lack of fulfillment onto you. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about that because it is an it is we've received a similar reaction, right? Like we talked about yeah. this earlier in the week. We got a ton of reaction to this and and it was it was divided. So let's talk a little bit about that that 9 to 5 daily work grind. I mean, this is what she's describing here. And yeah. do you think that like you think she's just being honest. She's just being honest about the overwhelming stress of this, right? Like is that is that the way you felt about it because for a lot of people who work that nine to five schedule, and I know you did that for a long time too, does mm-hmm. that really work out to 40 hours a week or do people find themselves working at home on their phone, emailing, texting? Your thoughts? Oh my goodness. It's it's way more than 40 hours a week. And we have to consider that it's not just time spent in front of your computer. In the age of technology, you're always on. Our devices are constantly, like the glow of our devices are constantly beckoning us from our pocket or from the other room. And that makes it so easy to carry your work with you into your personal life and into your sleep at night. And it's it's overwhelming. Yeah. So let's talk about, you can tell me a little bit about your own experience, Annie, because I know that in the video that you posted on, on TikTok, which went kind of viral itself in a lot of ways, you talked a little bit about your own work experience when you worked in a in a very demanding corporate office job, right? How long did you do that for? I I was in corporate for thirteen years. Thirteen years, and what was that like for you? I mean, could you could you sort of re- relate to Brielle there and what she was describing? Is that what you sort of described too? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, my tipping point moment was when I realized that work was plaguing my thoughts 24 seven. And, and, you know, the modern corporate framework demands back to back meetings 
pretty much all day, every day for a lot of people. And that leaves zero time for yourself to get done your actual work, and your responsibilities. So I, I realized there wasn't a moment of peace in my mind. I was constantly worried about what I needed to do, what I didn't get to do today, who, you know, who I needed to respond to. And it got to the point where I was dreaming about work. I, my Sunday scaries started on Saturday and it was just all consuming. Wow. Speaking to Annie Petschi, Annie is a career coach. AnniePetschi.com is her email. So how did this all turn around for you? Like what was the, you, you talked about sort of the breaking point or the trigger point here. How did you, how did you improve your life? How did it turn around for you? Yeah, I, I realized that I, had to start being a lot more proactive. And what I mean by that is I, I realized, you know, I'm taking on all of these opportunities. I feel pressure to say yes to everything. The work isn't going to stop. The expectations aren't going to stop. What I need to do is set some boundaries in my own experience and also get very clear on what I will no longer tolerate and what I actually want to be focusing my energy on. And really, I adopted an act now, ask for forgiveness later approach. <laughs> mm -hmm. And would you say that, I know you've made this case too, that for people who are maybe feeling like this young woman is feeling with the, the grind of her job, that workers could be less productive overall when they're feeling this way and maybe there's a better way to keep employees happy and productive because i know you think there is a better way right what's the better way oh absolutely i've done a lot of a lot of work in this area and humans are not wired to be productive for eight to ten hours straight period so in order to really increase our productivity we need to do that by increasing morale and you know, really offering people trust, trust to manage their schedules, trust to manage their time, and really move to a performance metric system rather than time being, you know, that key metric, because that's just punitive in a way where you your butt has to be in the seat for X amount of hours because we don't trust you. So we're just going to force you to be, you know, present and accounted for. I get on the train at 7.30 and I don't get home till like 6.15 earliest. And then like, I don't have time to do anything. The nine to five schedule in general is crazy. I don't have energy to work out. Like that's out the window. Like I'm so upset. Oh my God. Okay. Brielle Cerro there in her viral video about her first uh, full-time job. My guest is Annie Petschi, career coach. Uh, AnniePetschi.com is her email or is her website Cody in Maple Ridge. Cody, go ahead. What do you think? Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. And uh, Annie, thanks for having this conversation with us. Um, if this was uh, my kid, buddy, I would just say, like, hey, man, it's hard. But uh, you got to understand, like, when I came out of high school, I worked two full-time jobs for, for four years. Um, when I met my wife's family, uh, they had actually fleed a war zone, and they worked two full-time jobs for coming on 30, 35 years, and now they're dual homeowners, you know, they're killing it. Um, it really just comes down to sacrifice. Like, we need people to sacrifice and work hard to make the world a better place. And it does suck, and it does take some adjustment, but you got to dig deep. Like, you know, you work a nine-to-five, unless you're living, like, two hours away from your work, 
Why aren't you, you know, getting home, digging deep? You know, there's a difference between motivation and discipline. And you got to get, you know, dig deep and uh, discipline yourself to just go to the gym, go out with your friends or do what you want to do. Like, you know, mm. make all that stuff happen. So, okay, say, you know, tough. I'd sympathize with the, with the emotions because the emotions are real and they're valid. But at the end of yeah. the day, like re- reality is reality, right? Okay, Cody, thank you for that. Well, when I watched this video too, I was thinking I, I could understand why people might have a reaction. They don't sympathize with her, Annie, but I also listened very carefully and I thought the, the emotion and the feelings that she displayed in the video were genuine and were real. Like this was a, this was a real thing that she was, she was discussing. But what do you think about Cody's uh, comment there, man? You just got to dig deep and you, you know, working, working hard's reality. Your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, there's different, different forms of hard work, right? There's hard work that drains your energy and sucks the life out of you. And then there's hard work that's motivating and uplifting. And it's actually energy giving. And I think a conundrum so many individuals find themselves in now is that they are, they are sucked dry. And that's, that's the pain point. It's not a matter of, uh, you, you know, you just need to work harder. I mean, Mm. we can work smarter as well. (laughs) Yeah. Nancy in New West. Hi, Nancy. Go ahead. What do you think? Sorry, Annie. I don't agree. To follow up on what Cody said, you have to, the nine to five that you guys are describing is not the only shift that is stressful. I had to work six months of graveyards on one of my jobs. You think nine to five is hard? You try staying up all night when our bodies are designed to go to sleep. But because I was able to do that, because I did the grunge shifts and I got the training, not long after that, I was able to accept my dream job where I got to do what I wanted for the company and move ahead. At 21, she's lucky to have a full-time job. I'm sorry, Riel. I don't entirely feel sorry for you, but I want you to know that if you work hard and you do the grunt stuff now, it will get better, and one day you will be able to have everything you want, including the money to buy that. But right now, yeah, you got to suffer. I'm sorry, sweetie. Work hard. Make your life worth something. Okay, Nancy, thank you very much for the call. All right, Annie, your thoughts. This, she says, sorry, honey, but you got to work hard. That's the reality of life. Annie, what do you think? Listen, I agree with with putting in the reps and mm. and really working hard toward the things that you want. However, I think there are different ways to get there. And that's the crux of this conversation is just because it's been done a certain way since Henry Ford established the nine, the nine to five in the 1900s, that doesn't mean that in the age of technology, we have to operate that same way. Yeah. You mean like with technology, there is, there's more opportunity for people to work like short work at home, shorter hours. You just got 30 seconds left here, Annie, go ahead. Yeah. There's more opportunity and there's also more demand because we're never not connected. We're never able to step away. Okay, we could fill the whole show talking about this topic because there's more calls coming in. Annie, uh, it'd be great to have you back on. Thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks, Mike.
type my email here. Just getting tons of reaction there from that previous segment there. This is a story we've discussed a couple of times on the show this week. The viral video there of Brielle Acero, 21 years old, the stress of her first nine to five job. And it has been a divided reaction among the listeners for sure. Now, this video has been viewed millions of times online. Uh, she's speaking into the microphone and says, hey, this uh, job is stressing me out. Keep sending me emails on it. And let me know your thoughts on it. Mike at CKNW.com is how to reach me on that one. All right. Let's talk now to the Maple Ridge City Councilor who made a citizen's arrest at his home, Ahmed Youssef, he is a city councillor in Maple Ridge, and I'm very pleased to welcome him. Ahmed, thank you for coming on today. Good morning, and thank you for having me. I wish it was under better circumstances. Okay, Ahmed, this is a pretty wild story here. So when did this happen here? Let's uh, set it up here. When did this all go down? It uh, started on November 8th at approximately 11.40 a.m. I was in my basement as we're undergoing extensive renovations. So I was doing some work and cleaning up and getting the place kind of sorted uh, when I started hearing footsteps upstairs. Now, realizing that my three children, 13-year-old twin girls and an 11-year-old son are at school, my wife is at work, and my contractor was not meant to be on the property that day at all. That's why I was in the basement. Uh, I kind of just stayed quiet and wanted to, to hear what's going on and, and to see what it is. Uh, sure enough, a person that was a little over, I, I would say six feet tall, I'm five, eight on a good day, <laughs> okay. started to come down the to the basement where I was. And of course, at that point, uh, I, I was out obscure, out of the way. And I realized that this is not, a person that I recognize, nor is it someone that should be on my property in any way, shape, or form. He proceeded to walk directly to my basement door that exits to the backyard. Now, the layout of the house is rather confusing. So if you don't know your way, you will end up in my office rather than in the backyard. This person knew the layout of the house, made a beeline for that back door, was starting to unlock it and exit to my shed that had been broken into two days prior, even though I had a lock on there, the door was kicked in and the lock was destroyed. And that's where we found the significant bolt cutters that are old. According to some of my neighbors, they, don't, they haven't seen these in, in a few decades. And of course, they're jerry-rigged and Mickey Mouse in a way, so as to give the person using them more leverage. Uh, I introduced myself to the person by saying i'm the owner of the property you need to get down on the floor right now i am contacting the police and i'm placing you under citizen's arrest i dialed 911 immediately while he was on the ground i continued to to stay on the line with the um, dispatcher explained to them what was going on the ridge meadows rcmp were phenomenal they were here in less than two minutes two officers However, because of the security fencing and, and everything that I have uh, around my property, they couldn't access the front door. It was blockaded. The side gates, well, one of the side gates were locked. The other one they had to jump over, and uh, it took them a, a few minutes just to be able to come down to 
where we were, uh, the, this person and I, I unlocked the basement door that would then give them access, and there he was. The officer asked a couple of questions and, uh, re- you know, just to get the lay of the land and, and who's who at this uh-huh. point. They then proceeded to ask me to step back as they asked him to stand up and told him that they're placing him under arrest for breaking and entering. Were you were you point, like were you like holding him down at, at that point? Like when you said, did, did you take him down? Was there like a physical confrontation between the two of you? I wouldn't say a confrontation. There was more of a, an introduction and a commanding to to go down on the ground. And uh, I I was hoping that he would not resist, and luckily he did not. Uh, right. I did not want to get into a physical fight or a confrontation with him. I simply wanted the police to, to handle this matter. So luckily, he did not resist or try to get away. Uh, he he stayed down. Uh, I did have contact with him while he was on the ground uh, just to let him know that I'm still here and I am still uh, in, in uh, if you will, I, I have the higher ground, if nothing yeah. else. Did he say uh, anything? Again, the, did he say anything to you? Uh, no. Not really, because, of course, I was engaged in conversation with the 911 dispatcher. They were asking me information. They were asking him his information, his name and everything. Uh, they got that over the phone. And then, as I was saying, the police officers came in, asked him to stand up, placed him in handcuffs, and told him that they were arresting him for breaking and entering. At which point, he says, I didn't break anything. The officer responded by saying, you're on his property, uninvited. This is the definition of breaking and entering. And according to my little bit of knowledge of the criminal code, breaking and entering does include being on someone's property uninvited, even if you did not break a door, for example. You still crossed a threshold to enter the property, and you did not have permission to do so. So at that point, they took him out to the cruiser, uh, the two officer, two cruisers that were out front. They placed him in the back of one. They came back, and we had a, a further conversation and got all my details and particulars. The officers were very understanding and accommodating. I dare say in, in some cases they were commending me on taking a stand and, and actually handling the situation as I did, placing him under citizen's arrest without further confrontation, without, you know, as many people who are passionate, who have experienced break-ins and thefts on their property, would have liked to uh, taken a bit of liberty. Uh, I'm not that person. I, I'm very restrained in, in my conduct, and they appreciated that. And at the same time, they tempered my expectations to tell me that most probably Crown Council will not pursue charges. They asked oh. me also if I wanted to press charges, and I said, yes, absolutely, because if I don't press charges and the next person doesn't press charges, then the crime statistics will never truly reflect real life. And then people can say, well, property crime is down in Maple Ridge or in Coquitlam or wherever they are, when in fact they're not. It's simply not being reported. We're a bedroom community for the most part. And if two-thirds of our population are leaving every day to go to work, leaving their homes, that's an open buffet for criminals. And if criminals are now getting the message that, You can break into someone's house, steal a hedge trimmer, two batteries, and a charger, and damage their property. And at the end of the day, the most inconvenience that you'll experience is about a 30-minute sit-down in the back of a police cruiser before being released at my front door. That's the wrong message that we're sending. Uh The criminal justice system needs a visit, a revisit, if I may. 
and we certainly need to have equal and consistent application of the law. If I was to do the same to my neighbor, do you think I would be arrested and I would face some jail time? Mm. Mm. I, I, suspe- I suspect you probably <laughs> probably would. I'm speaking to Maple Ridge City Councilor Ahmed Youssef about the citizen's arrest he made at his home. So that's what happened then. Is that correct, Councillor, that the police, they released this guy? Yes, sir. He was released uh, at my front door. He jumped on his bike and rode off. Wow. His name and his identity are being protected. My name and my identity are out there. Did the police explain to you why they let him go? Because Crown Council will most probably not pursue charges. That was their explanation. Why, 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 would they not, why would the Crown not pursue charges if the guy is in, in your home? That is the book's definition of breaking and entering. I absolutely agree with you. However, is, it, is the system truly working to serve the citizens, to serve the people that are doing the right thing? Or are we encouraging criminals to continue to carry out their criminal conduct and face next to no consequences? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves, and that's the question that I pose to the minister and to the premier. Why are criminals being let go because somehow property crime is a, is a low-threat crime? The sanctity of one's home, if their lives are not in danger, is secondary to if the life was in danger. Imagine a scenario where this person had a weapon and actually proceeded to injure me, or worse, if there was that physical altercation, where would that have been? Would he still have been let go? I don't feel less violated by having someone come through my property, steal my property, damage my property. Okay, so you have made the Premier, Premier David Eby aware of this. Is that correct? What have, you, have you written him a letter? Like, what's going on there? I have not, as, of course, because of my position, I don't want to muddy the water and have uh, any, uh, you know, ill intention or, or bad blood, if you will, between the city and the province. However, this is not me speaking at a, as a city councillor. This is me speaking as a citizen of this country, as a resident of the province of British Columbia. We need to do better for our people. We need the support and backing of our government as we are hardworking people, that $350 hedge trimmer did not magically appear in my backyard. Did, my wife and guy... I both work, and we earn our own in order to make things like that happen for our family. And for a criminal to come in, take it, and have it in his possession and walk away with it yeah. is utterly unacceptable. Speaking and to Maple Ridge... consequences at the end. Maple Ridge City Councilor Ahmed Youssef is my guest about the citizen's arrest he made at, at his home. I'm, I'm taking a look, Councilor, at a, a statement from police who described this man as a squatter and at an insecure, partially torn down residence. Is that where is that? Is that your residence they're describing there? Like, where was this guy's squatting? He was not squatting. He came to the property on that day, minutes before he was arrested. He came to a property that's undergoing extensive renovation. And I, as the property owner, was on the premises. I did not invite him to come in. I did not see him living on my property prior to this. 
this was a clear case of trespassing and breaking and entering. But is it being prosecuted as such? Uh, clearly not. I'm looking at the police inve- uh, statement said that the police attended, the person was removed without incident, the investigation is concluded, and charges are not being considered. Councillor, what are your thoughts on that? Where, do you, where are you going to take this now? I take this to the public, and I take this to the Premier and to Minister Farnworth, and say, really, if people are having their homes and the sanctity of their homes being violated and their property stolen... Does that not constitute a breach of the criminal code? Does that not constitute consequences to those persons? Or are we sending a message to our future generations? I'm raising children myself. My girls are teenagers and my son is 11 years old. He's not that far behind them. When they're hearing this, when they're seeing this, what life lessons are they being taught? To be responsible, to be accountable, and to do the right thing? Or take the easy way out and steal and do criminal activities and still face no consequences that's where i would like to see the criminal justice system truly step in and have the integrated courts to have the restorative justice component i'm not saying let's arrest and and imprison our way out of this i'm saying we need to change our philosophy and truly hold people accountable if there was a measure of restorative justice that was remotely available to me i would have taken that person by the hand i would have taken the time to educate them and mentor them and really try to turn their lives around. Instead, now we're on opposite sides of the fence. Counselor, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And again, I wish it was under better circumstances. Thanks for listening to the Mike Smith Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop. Tune into the show live from 9 to noon on 980 CKNW. Want to reach out to me personally with a question or comment? Send me an email, mike at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.